0: When first-term representative Marjorie Taylor Greene blamed the 2018 California wildfires on a space laser controlled by the Rothschild family, she sparked a lot of jokes on Twitter and on social media. But behind those jokes is real and dangerous anti-Semitism. This is Jews Talk Racial Justice with April and Tracy. A weekly show hosted by April Baskin and Tracy Guy Decker. In a complex world, change takes courage. Wholehearted relationships can keep us accountable. April, are you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Shit.
1: You know why we're having a connectivity issue? Because there are no Jewish space lasers. Because if there were, we would be able to communicate perfectly. Which leads me what I wanted to introduce this episode with why I'm so excited, which people know who are listening, because it'll be there when they go to listen to it. That I would like the title of this episode to be something like, there are no Jewish space lasers. That is not a thing.
0: Yes. period, 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 with a T period with a T.
1: Yeah, period. Oh, Extra consonantation at the end. That's a Black Jewish period at the end of that assertion. So let's dive into the subject. I wrote a Facebook post about this, and I'm glad that overall it was greeted, uh, I think, pretty receptively by folks. And I think it helps in part because I prefaced what I said by essentially trying to communicate that I am not endeavoring to tone police my friends and colleagues. That is not what I'm talking about here for the people for whom, like who have made jokes about this anti-Semitic statement. uh, I'm not judging you. And if that's where you are in your healing you do you. And for those for whom it's relevant and resonant, I wanted to name some things that were deeply concerning about this social media phenomenon that developed over the last few days when um, when this first surfaced, which is that as I was seeing my Facebook feed filled with jokes about Jewish space lasers, my first thought was, was there some Ah, uh, Israeli politician who made an, another silly comment relating to space or is there some Jewish leader who made a joke about this? I thought it was something internal to our people because people were joking about it so much and I was so and no one was actually quoting or citing the person, the source of this, so I did a quick Google search and I was disappointed upset, dismayed to see that it was a white woman who affiliates with some white nationalists who made this statement. And it uh, brought up for me a topic that's very important to me that Tracy, as you noted, as we were preparing to record that I think we've covered in a prior episode. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. There's a few different things I want to say, but first I just... Um, I think it's helpful for us as Jews to get the healing we need. Oh, I also wanted to name a, uh, you know, that someone essentially said, and I haven't done research about this person. So I, I I love all people, but, and I especially love people who are members of the groups that I am a part of. And so this came from a a Jew, I believe, but I'm not sure what her perspective or other types of messages she amplifies, but someone essentially wrote something on Twitter that got shared that I then reshared without attribution, but someone in my uh, comment thread identified the source, which I'm grateful for, for which I am grateful. Um, but they were sending a message to their non-Jewish friends and people in their network to say, currently, right now, you're seeing lots of Jews making jokes about Jewish space lasers. But that's actually related. It's a it's a, a, a an attempt on the part of many Jews to productively process the anxiety and terror. Uh, this type of anti-Semitism is is eliciting rather than upping anxiety medication. Um, And so it's not meant to endorse uh, this awful thing that was said. It's just us processing things. And so, you know, one of the things I love best about our people, about Jews, and, you know, so Jews have, uh, are well known for our humor. Um, I, I think what's tricky in this moment, and that's a core way that we've healed, and I am not in any way trying to, um, dismiss or disparage that life-giving strategy, but for us to be mindful about the context in which we do it—is it privately around our dinner tables or on phone calls, or or is it on social media and shared publicly, where people who may not get our irony um, will will see it and and think that we are affirming this um, anti-Semitic hogwash. What do you think, Tracy, what's coming up for you?
0: Well, I I think it's just, and to be fair, I haven't actually looked to see what kind of statements, but I feel like just thinking about the social media kind of the thing, you know, the, the public reaction and outcry when um, someone of color perpetuates a antisemitic trope. um, It's not jokes, you know, (laughs) it's how dare you. And, and, and mm-hmm. it's kind of right. versus this white member of our highest legislative body. Um, and her name is Marjorie Taylor green, it appears. Yeah, that's her name. Um, and she, she is a, um, a QAnon believer. Um, and so it, it just, seems absurd um and so that's the way a lot of jews and non-jews are treating it as just this sort of silly absurd thing well but the thing is that anti-semitic tropes have been absurd distractions for a long time that led to great harm um it just it's just interesting to me that our community laughs at (laughs) this um anti-semitic trope from someone who actually has quite a bit of power as a member of the highest legislative body in this nation um, versus con- condemning um, when instead of, you know, educating our potential allies. Um, and for me, and it's
1: angering. And I'm so glad you named that because for me, it's deeply angering. And what is below that anger that is the source of that anger is profound hurt. Profound hurt at the racial bias. Like that to me, when I often read um, what relatively speaking, a very few number of Black people say at times, certain public figures, it's clear to me that almost always, it's a very rare exception, and there are some exceptions um, that are worth taking seriously. I often see Black people endeavoring to advance black liberation. And it's clear to me often from what they're saying that they do not realize they are perpetuating um, an anti-Semitic trope. And I want this to shift over time. I want everything to shift. I I want people to begin to be able to identify anti-Semitism more easily. And I also want a number of my white Jewish community members to have more respect and trust and faith in people of color and black people across lines of difference when certain things come up or at least to have a more a similar type of experience that it bothers me that a sort of violence and anger is directed at black people who do not have the kind of a positional authority as the white person for instance this white particular white person who who is saying something um, totally absurd but also alarming and there are many Awful stereotypes about us that are also equally absurd. So it's not something to be, and I and I could name examples, but I don't want to because I don't want to perpetuate any of those things. I had to consider very seriously if I even if I even wanted to do an episode about this because I think what we focus on grows, you know. And so this is why I full disclosure. I'm on the advisory board of. Jews Against White Nationalism or Jews Versus White Nationalism, you can check out their website at howtofightantisemitism.com. And um, it's a project that developed um, for the lead up to the 2020 election. And as far as I can tell, it's still in operation. And um, they proactively list all of the white elected officials who regularly perpetuate antisemitism that gets little to no coverage in our community. I think the last piece I want to say here is that it's hurtful and bothersome to me when people are so relieved. Like for instance, when I believe it was Philly, the, when the Philly football player ended up meeting with a Holocaust survivor. And I was like, of course, that's not a surprise. Of course, this man, like it was so clear to me in the remarks that he said that he wasn't trying to intentionally be anti-Semitic and that somebody needed to um thoughtfully and compassionately call him in and have a conversation and that he didn't need to have his job in danger, that he just needed to be brought into accountability and that he would likely be self-motivated to correct it. And it bothers me how quickly at times, not always, and there are some of the best Most beloved activists I have are also white Jews. So I want to be really, really clear about that. Many of our amazing listeners are, but that there's um, threads in our mainstream community where people were shocked and so relieved to have him corrected as opposed to seeing his inherent goodness. Um, And to be clear, I also get concerned about this when I see this about Jews, when people are like so shocked and relieved that a Jew um, did the right thing or gave to a community in need and it's equally offensive to me. Like, don't you see that that's something that our community has been doing for a very long time? And your shock about our, about my community, my Jewish or my Black community's inherent goodness says to me that there's work you need to do around conscious and unconscious bias um, and racism or anti Semitism that's happening in your inner world and in the communities and circles within which you walk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. That's right. I think with this, this case in particular as well, um, it's this person green is, I mean, she's a bigot all the way around. Apparently she's been, she and her staff have been harassing, um, their colleague, Corey Bush and who is black. And, um, she's, you know, she says horrible things about people of color as well. And, um, where am I going with this? I think I guess I'm coming back to um, sort of the piece of advice um, when Maya Angelou said, um, "When someone tells you who they are, believe them." Um, yeah, that, that's sort of that's sort of what I'm where I'm feeling about um, Green <laughs> versus um, you know the other examples of folks who are working for liberation and repeat a trope that they've heard which once it is pointed out to them they work to correct it. Green has zero interest in correcting her antisemitic remarks or her racist remarks. I mean she actually stands by them and doubles down on the QAnon conspiracies when confronted. So, you know, when when people show you who they are believe them. I I guess that's kind of where I'm landing. I well I just was, you know, I think that you you mentioned that you were saying that you don't You're not interested in tone policing, and I just—I don't know—I, I'm projecting onto our listeners. If I were listening, I'd be like, "Oh, I thought those were funny," and then I would feel really bad about myself. So that's not what we're saying. Yeah, no, not what we're saying at all. We're not inviting you to feel bad.
1: to think that the jokes are funny. I actually think the jokes are very useful. It's it's the way that we use them in ways that serve us best to also help keep us safe and to be mindful about what types of messages we're amplifying. Right.
0: So that's, I just wanted to reiterate that. You did say it, but I wanted to reiterate it. Yeah, no, right.
1: Really, truly.
0: mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I saw
1: people getting some healing from it. And I am not, and I'm not trying to rain on that parade at all, because that's a need that people need to have fulfilled. And I'm saying over time, when you're ready, I think there are um, more strategic ways we can do that and also ideally over time right here's the more radical piece find ways as a community to more deeply address and start to heal some of the deeper layers of collective trauma uh, that that we have been dealt and that we still carry um and there's zero judgment around that that for that our community only gets praise for how far we've made it in spite of So many things we have had to endure much of the time without help and or with some amazing partners across lines of difference who weren't also quite enough to overpower their neighbors, but were there many times trying um, to contradict things. I'm also reminded, it's slightly different, but I just wanna name, um, uh, while we're thinking about black feminist brilliance, the famous Toni Morrison quote, um, it's important therefore to know who the real enemy is and to know the function, the very serious function of racism, or in this case, I would also extend it to anti-Semitism, which is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you from examining over It keeps you explaining over and over again, your reason for being. Somebody says you have no language. So you spend 20 years proving that you do. Somebody says your head isn't shaped properly or parts of your face aren't shaped properly. So that's me ad-libbing. So you have scientists working on the fact that it is. And someone says you have no art. So you dredge that up. Somebody says you have no kingdom. So you dredge that up. None of that is necessary. There will always be one more thing. Um, and I would agree, and so I would I would restate her quote and shift it a little bit to also apply to antisemitism. The very serious function of antisemitism is distraction. One of the core purposes antisemitism serves is to keep the middle class in place by redirecting people who are financially and otherwise struggling in their lives by shifting their frustration instead of to the ruling class or the government or the people who are in power, who are uh, most definitely mostly Christian or not Jews because Jews are often placed in the middle agent role and has them direct their rage at, at Jews, which keeps the system and the oppression running and, and people still making money off of them. And to this day, that is still a core Reason for the existence of antisemitism is that it serves to distract the middle class from the actual sources of its oppression. Members of the ruling class, um, who most often are not Jewish, which so is not to say there aren't Jews who are part of the ruling class. That is the case, but they are not typically or ever the people who are are um, in control because of antisemitism. <laughs> so, so. Um, I also wanted to toss in that. So all of that to say, I encourage my Jewish family and almost no one else (laughs) to make internal jokes with friends and family to help process and blow off steam from yet another terrifyingly absurd, but also potentially contagious stereotype and bigoted thought about Jews um, and I'm just going to take a breath there cause it's heavy <laughs> and I don't want to gloss over that. I love our Jewish people so much and we deserve better. We deserve better. And I'm glad though. And some one of the upsides about this, well, there has to be an upside is that, um, often white anti semitism it's often people focus in on relatively nominal Black anti Semitism that shows up in Black, um, from Black people or in Black space. I don't even like to use the phrase Black anti Semitism. Mm-hmm. I find it deeply Agreed. racist
0: and offensive. I completely agree.
1: Um, as someone who's raised in the Black community, as someone who grew up going to Black church, not that all Black churches are free from it, but I did not encounter that in Black space. I've consistently encountered love and support and people saying, you know, people, uh, many, many times, Many times I've heard people say something, many people in the Black community, I've heard when I share with them that I'm Jewish, when I've lived in the hood, when I've been visiting my grandparents' friends, when I'm talking to Black custodial staff in any number of locations, and and for some reason it comes up that I'm Jewish, maybe it's around the holiday season or something, um, and they've often said, that's really wonderful, or I knew a Jew who was wonderful, or I've only had wonderful experiences with Jews, and I think of them as our allies. Cons- consistently, and it like tears me up because it's so uh, anyway.
0: Even Whew. when it is, uh, there are folks who are black and also anti Semitic, like we never mm-hmm. talk about white anti Semitism. Well, it's just- that's the thing, it
1: operates invisibly, and that is one of the core sources. I'm not exclusively, but one of the primary engines of anti Semitism is white
0: nationalism. Exactly. Yeah. No, yes, for sure. It and I mean, Eric Ward wrote a, a piece before Charlottesville. I mean, he's been doing this work for forever um, called um, Skin in the Game. Yes. Skin in the Game. And the subhead is the fact that antisemitism animates. That's the word he uses, white nationalism. And I think that that is exactly right. I mean, it. He his piece is very compelling. Um, and it, it really speaks to that that quote um, from Lila Watson, although I just recently read that she doesn't like to be given sole credit for it, but from um, Australian Indigenous folks that if you've come here to help me, then you're wasting your time. But if you've come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let's work together. Yes. Eric Ward's Eric Ward's piece, like, really he that. That's why he amplifies it. He's a black man, not Jewish, who fights anti-Semitism for a living because he knows that it is bound up in his liberation. Um. And to me, it's sort of similar, although
1: there's like, it's a similar type of thing for people for whom this is relevant to make this connection. When people try to blame Jews for racism, like, I'm just like, okay, like, yes. Are there some Jews who are extremely racist? Yes. Does that, it's not like, it's not like in that black life is immune to antisemitism, but that is not the origin of it. And it's absurd to assert that, um, and it's offensive. And, you know, just like people who think that Jews started the slave trade, or, you know, like.
0: <sighs> yeah, that's one of the, that's one of the anti-Semitic tropes, like blame Jews for the worst things. I, which is not to say there weren't Jewish slave traders, there were. And that's, and that's, and that's also a racist
1: trope, right? right, right, right. Like to blame, to also blame black people for the worst things. Let's not do that
0: right. anymore. Right, okay? exactly. Exactly. I I think, and I, especially for the, for the white Jews who are listening um, the, the analog that I like to use is that, you know, if, if we were to hear um, a potential ally, not Jewish ally say something like, you know what, I don't, I don't really want to work with Jews because y'all seem to have like a sexual predation problem, you know, with Harvey Weinstein and Jeffrey Epstein, like you know, there's clearly a problem with Jewish sexual predation. Like we would be in the streets protesting, we would be through the roof that, that we would be painted with a brush because of the worst among us. Um, And yet that is exactly what white Jews sometimes, sometimes do when talking about quote black antisemitism.
1: Right. And so like, here's the alternative for me, which is that I just want us to really begin to embrace that um, Jews and black people, um, among most other peoples on the planet, or not most, all, are inherently good. Um, And that doesn't mean that there might not be room and elements of that community for accountability or things that need to shift. But if you just went into an average family's home and sat down and got proximate and sat down with them and got to experience their hospitality and love and welcoming for you. Um, and that's one of the benefits that I've had as a mixed heritage person who's grown up in a lot of spaces is getting to see different people from all walks of life, from different class backgrounds, their inherent goodness are like, are there cultural differences? Sure. Absolutely. Right. But um, there's cultural difference. And if you can remember that people are inherently good, that's a great start. Um, And yeah, even the birdie outside my window agrees. She's like, preach, yes. Jewish and Black liberation. Inherent Jewish and Black goodness, yes. So there are no Jewish space lasers. There are strong Jewish grandmothers. There are funny, sweet, and brave Jewish men. There are resilient and funny and sweet Jewish children. There are... Jewish transgender folks who bring so much light and analysis and courage to this world. There are Jewish women who come in all races and flavors um, and varieties of intelligence and courage. Uh, Those things are all real. There are Jewish change agents who affiliate and don't affiliate with Jewish life, but consistently show up powerfully and lovingly and often humbly in our social change movements and are worthy of love and support just as much as their movement partners are. Um, Those are all real things that I am excited to celebrate every day. And that make me so proud to be a Jew Um, and our humor. I was often, I was really, I think people, as they were navigating some of this anti-Semitism. And that's the thing that I think you named earlier that I just want to focus on, and that it's important, is that even still this day, even in that moment, white anti-Semitism was operating invisibly. I would like us to shine a light on that so that we can be more aware of its ubiquity and figure out how to more effectively address it. Um, And I also just wanted to give a shout out to Jewish comedians over time. I was feeling people channeling a lot of Mel Brooks energy um, in, in their humor. And I have a lot of love for that. Um, And I have more love for us getting free and hopefully over time we get to pay less and less attention to anti-Semitism and white nationalism as it continues to die a slow, loud and dramatic death over time. Amen.
0: For the record, I thought the Bernie memes were pretty funny. Wait, what? The Bernie memes. Did you get those in your feed?
1: (laughs) I didn't fully get it. Is it just because he like that he looked perturbed and then he was underdressed?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he like, and he sat in the corner just like, (laughs) I mean, well, who knows what his mouth was doing? He had a mask on. But it it did seem like that. Right. Mm Hmm. And there, and it came with that big manila envelope. There were the one my favorite actually said, Yeah, Bernie's to do list, like yeah. Joe's thing, post yeah. office. <laughs> it was, it totally was waiting, oh, and like wait. all the different things. They and they were like, they were very Jewish, they were very Jewish humor. Like when there's a new chazan oh, and they're singing a new melody of a that you don't recognize, <laughs> those and were like, great. I, that was. Waiting that was for my wife at Loman's. like they were it was very Jewish. those memes. trying remember what
1: were some other ones? Um, this is great. This is a good epilogue to this episode. Like what what
0: there, I'm trying
1: to remember what yeah, there were there were some really good ones there.
0: and and then, like Kolha with Bernie Sanders. he had a t-shirt made of the photograph and sold it. and then all the proceeds went to to uh, a worthy cause. So like, you know, <laughs> Way to lean into your unexpected, you know, moment of hilarity.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that was, that was wonderful. I love that. That was great. Thanks for tuning in. Our show's theme music was composed by Elliot Hammer. You can find this track and other beats on Instagram at Elliot Hammer. If this episode resonated with you, please share it and subscribe. To join the conversation, visit JewsTalkracialJustice.com where you can send us a question or suggestion, access our show notes, and learn more about our team. Take care until next time, and stay humble and keep going.